When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sarah, man, we took a couple of days off here from the podcast. You had to cover your beloved Denver Broncos in the Hall of yeah. Fame game against the Atlanta Falcons. What did you see from your beloved Broncos, and are you satisfied uh, with football finally being back, man? We shall not go another weekend without the glorious sport of <laughs> no. football until, you know, no later than February. So it's uh, the time is here. We finally waited uh, but it's here, man. What do you think of the opening day game there, the Hall of Fame game, uh, with your Broncos, my man? Gosh, yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, the double meaning, double meaning completely intended there. I mean, it's good to be back on the, on the podcast. I know thank you for being flexible with me. Um, and we'll, I mean, hopefully we don't have too many, too many issues like that. But, man, it is good to have football back as well. Uh, the, the Broncos obviously playing in the first game. It's kind of interesting. I don't. I don't recall them playing in a Hall of Fame game since I've been really paying very close attention. But it's cool because you kind of get to see what it's like to have your team starting a couple weeks before every other team and the advantages of that. Like the Broncos obviously breaking in a new head coach, breaking in a new quarterback, new offensive system. Everything is just brand new for them. And so it's really nice to see that while these other teams are kind of just starting up training camp, just getting into the thick of things that the Broncos have been at it for, I think today was day 19 of training camp uh, with all the off days and the preseason game all thrown in together. So it's just really cool. And I think, you know, the another thing that I really enjoyed about it is seeing some of the players out there who are going to contribute this year. Obviously, not all the, not all the starters. I think there was like six starters who played or seven, something like that. But uh, to see those guys go out there and do some good things, one of the guys I'm really rooting for, Sua Cravens, man. He made a nice play against the run, against the Falcons there. So that was cool to see, and it's it's just nice to have football back. I don't care. I'm one of those guys who's a psychopath and loves preseason because I love evaluating players. I love watching young guys. I love watching guys try to make a roster. I love watching players who obviously aren't going to play this year, like you know the quarterbacks your team drafted, like Drew Locke. These are the only opportunities we're going to get to see Drew Locke barring injury. So I say take advantage of it. I say enjoy it. Pay the 100 bucks for NFL Game Pass and watch these guys develop and say that you you saw them, you watched them when they were just a rookie or whatever or you know something like that. So I love it, man. I love it. I'm glad to have football back, and it was a fun time. It was a fun ending to the game, too. Juwan Winfrey coming down with that crazy tip ball, so kind of an entertaining finish. Yeah, uh, not a lot of people are going to be watching preseason football cover to cover uh, <laughs> like Sarah Bettinger will be doing. Uh, but nonetheless, man, it is, it's still quality football, even there late in those games. Uh, you know, there's elite talent out there, even though majority of those mm-hmm. guys that you'll see out on these Sunday games uh, or, or, you know, preseason games probably won't be making the roster, especially that Hall of Fame game. Uh, I don't think uh, too many 
starters were dressed out for the Atlanta Falcons in particular. I know we saw a little bit of Chris Lindstrom, uh, even Dalton Reisner there for the Broncos. He was out yeah. after the first or second series, I believe, there. I know for a fact he didn't play at all with uh, the young quarterback, Drew Locke, in there. So he was definitely out. Uh, no later than the first snaps of the second quarter. So mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame game, not a lot of starters being played in there, like you mentioned, but it's still good quality football, and we love to see that. We're going to continue our and and continue, I should say, finish our divisional, uh, you know, previews here for the season uh, for the two that 2019 NFL football season that is officially underway with last week's kickoff. Um, but you know, if you haven't been listening, we've been giving out superlatives. Uh, for each of these divisions leading up to the season. Uh, our superlative is our best offense, best defense, best young trio. That's 26 years or younger. Uh, best roster overall. And then the also, also important uh, best quarterback superlative there. Sarah, I'm super pumped. I believe we saved the best for last here at the NFC South. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to talk this division, man. Uh, before we get into it, man, what, what, what were your kind of – Thoughts on this division last season? I know uh, we, we saw the Atlanta Falcons ravaged by injury, um, but other than that, what were some takeaways for you from the 2018 season uh, here in the NFC South? Yeah, gosh, this is a this is a good, very tough division. Obviously, the Saints have been Super Bowl contenders for the past couple years. The Atlanta Falcons were in the Super Bowl and had a huge lead in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And Carolina Panthers just three years ago were in the Super Bowl. So really, it it feels like a feels like a three team race to me between those three teams every year. And the Buccaneers are kind of just. I don't want to say a laughing stock because that's just rude, but they're really not uh, a legitimate contender by comparison, although things could turn around for them. But I think even even going back to last year, even with Cam's injuries, things like that going on, a little bit of you know stuff stuff at the out of the Panthers' control, I really feel like this has a legit three Super Bowl contender feel annually almost with their with the quarterback play and the way these teams are built the coaching the the longevity of those teams and their coaching I mean it just feels like they're built not not necessarily for dynasties but they're built to contend for a long time it's not going to require much for these teams to kind of get back on the saddle and we've seen that we've seen the the Falcons falter even with Matt Ryan we've seen the Panthers falter we've seen the Saints falter but they've built back up and they've got things kind of figured out. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think even dating back to last year, years prior, it always feels like this division has at least one or two, and most of the time three legit contenders. Yeah, it's always one of the most uh, competitive divisions in all of football, uh, and especially being down here in the south, we get to see it. Uh, that Falcons-Saints rivalry is getting even thicker and thicker. Um you know, there's a lot of social or social demographics that play into that. Um, you know, a lot of, of Katrina, you know, guys, people that were displaced from that natural disaster ended up in Atlanta. So, you know, if you ever go to an Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints game here in Atlanta, it can get pretty testy because there are a lot of, you know, uh, you know, let's call it diverse fans here in Atlanta um, from, you know, the, all the people that moved from Louisiana. But let's get into our best offense category, Sarah. Um, and I'll go first, man. I really like the Falcons here. Uh, we've talked a little bit on this show. Uh, you know, I'm calling for, if you will, a bounce-back season here in Atlanta. Um, but let's hit on some of the positives before I give you the negatives of this offense. Uh, it's always got to start with the weapons. We know about them, right? Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Mohamed Sanu. Uh, is up there with, you know, probably the league's best trio of wideouts. I know uh, yeah, L.A. Rams fans will give us some f- feedback on that. Um, but it's it's hard pressed to find any three better than that. I know you can definitely say maybe whoever's the third is in Cleveland that the the top two are so overbearing that you could consider whatever trio you want to give me out of Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the Atlanta Falcons have an argument and a solid one there uh, for best trio of wideouts. And then Austin Hooper, man, he's turning out to be a solid tight end. I know you if you don't watch a lot of Falcons football, you don't get to see. A lot of Austin Hooper, but this is a young man who had, you know, 80-plus targets last season and had mm-hmm. over 600 yards. So pretty solid tight end production there out of an offense that, you know, since Tony G's left, they haven't really had much production out of the tight end position. So look for him to maybe take another step forward 
this year in what will be year four for him. And uh, I don't know what your thoughts and feelings are on uh, Matt Ryan, Sarah, but the dude, in my opinion, had the best season of his career last year, and that's saying something because he does have an MVP on his uh, you know, resume, something that yeah. no other quarterback, well, one other quarterback in this division has. Um, and his name's not Drew Brees, it's Cam Newton. So um, Matt Ryan had an incredible football season last year, uh, his, his best, like I said, in his career, I thought. Uh, just putting balls in in spots that they had to be, not a lot of separation. And, and that offensive line, man, he was taking a lot of hits last year. Uh, and that kind of rolls into my negatives here, man. I know they spent some high draft capital on offensive linemen, but that doesn't mean – that the, the, the problems are automatically solved. I think Chris Lindstrom is going to be a really good player there at guard. Uh, I've made my doubts about the Caleb McGarry pick well-known here on this podcast, mm-hmm. here on the NFL Mocks podcast. And, uh, Sarah, we found out last week that he's now recovering from a non-invasive heart surgery, which I don't even know how those, you know, three or four words even go together, non-invasive heart <laughs> surgery. I don't think that's such a thing. Um, and another thing I have an issue with in this Atlanta Falcons offense, and I know I'm kind of going against my own point here, uh, is their running back <laughs> position, man. What do we what do we really expect out of Devontae Freeman this year? Um, that's a huge question mark for this offense. But barring those two things uh, can be shored up in Atlanta, I don't think they have any holes um, on that offense. You know, maybe guard, posi- guard play is going to be an issue uh, throughout this season and, and running back depth. But apart from that, they're going to score a ton of points in Atlanta, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in agreement with you on that. Uh, but I just I don't see them as the best offense in this division, and not not just for the sake of arguing. I think that the New Orleans Saints are the they're the unit to beat there, in my opinion, in this division. You've got obviously an established QB, Drew Brees. He can I mean he can light it up for five thousand yards pretty much every year. It feels like. Which, by the way, any modern day NFL fans who who were born you know, in the mid to late 90s or after that, you need to understand how crazy it is. Even with the rules of today's game, that that guys are able to throw for 5,000 yards in a season. I mean, that was borderline unheard of. Even like five, six years ago, that was really hard to do. Um, I remember like Matthew Stafford did it, and people that was when people really started freaking out about Matt Stafford was when he threw for 5,000 yards or something. It was something really close to that. But uh, Drew Brees, obviously elite. Alvin Kamara, one of the most dynamic backs in the league. Michael Thomas just signed the biggest contract for a wide receiver ever. I don't love their depth at wide receiver. And matter of fact, I don't like it at all. I think that their depth at wide receiver is pretty pretty crappy. But their offensive line is obviously really good. Teron Armstead. When we touch on it, seems like one really underrated player every every podcast. I think he's a really underrated left tackle. And then Ryan Ramchek on the on the other side, obviously made the NFL top 100 this year, which is always a joke of a list, but it's cool to see him kind of get recognized for his strong play. And I love the Eric McCoy pick in the second round. It felt like the Saints had a first round pick in this draft when they actually didn't. So I love that. And then I think one of the most underrated pickups this year, and I think a lot of people forget about this because he played for the Oakland Raiders. Oh, Latavius, yeah, another former Raider, uh, but a very nice pickup to replace Mark Ingram there. But I'm talking about my boy Jared Cook at the tight end position. I think with the Saints, one of the things that they've really been missing in this offense is a big-time tight end since Jimmy Graham left, you know, that's been, or since they traded him to the Seahawks. I think that's been a tough area for them to kind of replicate production. Of course, Jimmy, what he did there was kind of insane, but Jared Cook is a, is a type of athlete who can really take a lot of pressure off of Michael Thomas. I don't think, I think the Saints really, they need to look into making a move for a receiver to really even things out here. Maybe Traquan Smith will develop in year two, but gosh, you just you look around this offense. There's playmakers everywhere. Drew Brees is the the catalyst for everything, makes everything go. And then I like that offensive line. So I think that the Saints have a really strong unit put together. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, it's hard to argue with all this uh, points you just point made. And uh, I think interior offensive line might be an issue here, just similar to. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, I think you hit on that. But, you know, my main issue with this offense, and everyone knows about it, is what happens when Michael Thomas gets shut down like we saw uh, there in the playoffs. <laughs> they don't have a number mm-hmm. two receiver. 
Uh, I know you said we might get, you know, a step up from Smith there, Traquan Smith, uh, in, you know, what is his third or fourth year there in New Orleans. So maybe. And I know Jared mm-hmm. Cook is a solid addition, but anything I've known about Jared Cook's career tells me is the year after he's actually given me something and surprised everybody is the year you probably shouldn't weigh <laughs> on him uh, and, and rely right. on him uh, to, to, to do big things. Um, but who knows? Maybe he snaps out of that in what is definitely the best offensive scheme he's ever played in uh, there for him in his mm-hmm. young career. So, you know, definitely a physical freak, so maybe they can get something out of him. I mean, it's hard to pick. I mean, this NFC South, one thing you know about it, if you turn football games on on Sunday, these teams will be scoring points. Uh, you'll be looking at a 35-32 yeah. uh, shootout there in the fourth quarter uh, with Drew Brees having the ball. Um, so it's it's always fantasy football Games players always, dream division man yeah absolutely i mean if you if you've got um you know so what do they call them St- stack them you can stack some yeah. of these guys if you want to if you want to stack some mike thomas and some alvin kamara uh you got a pretty damn good team right there if you i mean if you want to stack uh you know Devonte freeman and some julio jones uh you, you got something good going on there i mean it's it's all across in this division uh, apart from maybe Tampa. And one thing, Sarah, I was thinking about, uh, this division had me thinking about today, with this being our last division that we've done in this preseason preview, um, is there any division we have where there's just not one bottom dweller in the division? I know some divisions have multiple bottom dwellers, but do we have a division in the NFL where they have a full four teams that are just flat-out solid? Is it, The closest thing I could think of when I was mm. thinking about this today has to be the NFC North because Detroit's yep. just not, you know, absolute trash. They're 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 a seven and nine, uh, eight and eight football team if things break their mm-hmm. way. But apart from that, is there is there a division where there isn't a total bottom dweller? I I'm now that you mention it, I can't think. I immediately thought of the NFC North because they're always they're always pretty tough there, especially now with Detroit's D line. They're looking pretty solid. I mean, with Mike Daniels coming in, Trey Flowers. I don't know. I I can't. Uh, sometimes the AFC West, just because I watch so much of it, sometimes the AFC West can be that way. You know, where if if Oakland, if Oakland comes out of nowhere this year to be like a, you know, a seven or eight win team, you know, that's a that's a division where I don't see like a really weak weak team. Um, and they have had a couple of those years recently. So yeah, off the top of my head, I can't. I can't think. I mean, if the if the Cardinals step up this year, you look. I mean, the NFC West looks pretty solid, but uh, yeah, no. The the NFC South is a rare breed where you know there's no clear. Oh yeah, that team's tanking for the number one draft pick this year, right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of what we're what we're looking at. But yeah, I'd say the NFC North is is a solid competitor for you know the most most competitive division in the NFL, along with the NFC South. Or at least the division with the most depth in terms of teams yeah. that can actually, you know, make some noise. All right, Sarah, best yeah. defense, who you got, will let you start, my man. Yeah, this is a bit of a tougher one for me because I think there's so many there's so many things that are just unknown for me. Like if the Falcons stay healthy, I really liked their defense that year they went to the Super Bowl. They're just so fast, you know, and but but health is obviously a concern. Can Keanu Neal come back and be the same guy that he was? Deion Jones, the same question. And and how's that pass rush going to hold up? Because where's Vic Beasley at? Where's Tack McKinley at? I think they've got so many good pieces in that defense and so much speed. I mean, gosh, you want to talk about Dan Quinn kind of building a like a poor man's version of what he had in Seattle. That's just, that's just a unit that's got speed on speed. So I love that. But for me, I think the best defense in this division has got to be the Carolina Panthers, just because I feel like what they've built on that front seven with Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson flying around, and now you've added Gerald McCoy to the mix with Dontari Poe, a guy that they brought in, I think that was last year now. I can't, I'm losing yeah. track. I'm losing my mind here. But uh, yeah, Dontari Poe, Kawan Short. Uh, and that that defensive front seven is just so good. And then the addition last year of Eric Reed really solidified safety. And I think, gosh, I don't know why teams keep on leaving Trey Boston off of their free agent list, but now the Panthers brought him back, and I think he's going to be a really nice free safety complement for them. And if they get some development out of their young corners, 
I think that they have a really solid chance, especially coached by Ron Rivera, who we know is a very good defensive mind. I think this is a team that could really elevate this year and become one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah, I busted on their uh, Brian Burns pick there at 15 for quite a long time. Uh, And then we come to find out, Sarah, that they're switching to a 3-4 defense, which that was my only concern with that draft pick because perennially they've been a 4-3 defense there in Carolina. Now uh, that gives Brian Burns an opportunity to play in space a little more often Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously rush the passer in pass-rushing scenarios, which uh, I think lends uh, to his abilities better than anything else. Um, for him to be able to play in space because I think that's the type of athlete that he is, um, not really your edge setter uh, in terms of mm-hmm. defensive line. But, you know, I really do like their defense there. I, I, everyone loves Luke Keekley. I'm starting to question whether or not Luke Keekley's kind of stumbling into the Sean Lee type of category with, off, with, uh, uh. with middle linebackers, you know, guys that, you know, are really, really solid, really great when they're on the field. But the question is whether or not they can be on the field. And I know Luke Keekley um, is a great football player, Sarah, but we are talking multiple concussions over the last couple of years. Uh, and yeah. I don't believe he's played all 16 games in quite a long time. So, uh, you know, questions and concerns about his health are reasonable mm-hmm. in my mind. Now, I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit here with my selection. Okay. Um, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. Um, and, and it's hey. all because of what they've done over the last handful of years with their front seven. Look, I know we have – you talked about it earlier. We've been in a little bit of a theme about in terms of underrated guys, and you hit on them already. It's Cam Jordan. Um, this guy's been playing solid defensive line play mm-hmm. uh, for a handful of years, almost a half, a half a decade down there. Sheldon Rankin's a really good young football player, and David Onyemata uh, right there in the middle, two defensive tackles. Uh, that, you know, can can hold their weight with just about anybody in the league in terms of defensive tackle and interior D-line play. And then a guy who, uh, you know, I was pretty high on last year. He got hurt a little bit. Uh, I like to pick a lot there in the 2018 draft, and that was Marcus Davenport, man. Uh, he's got a ways to go. I know he's young, uh, and, and he's coming from a small school, Sarah, but when you turn on the tape, this guy's an absolute people mover, um, even on an NFL football field. It, it, there's just something you can you can tell when he hits people, they move just a little bit more uh, and a little quicker uh, than when when other people put their hands on him. So uh, I, I'm here for the Mar- uh, Marcus Davenport love. I hope he takes a giant step in year two. The Demario Davis pickup last year made a huge def- or difference for this mm-hmm. defense as well. There at the linebacker position, and if there is any optimism in this world left uh, about Eli Apple, I'm the one holding it. Uh, just something tells me maybe with the right scenario. I know he's. This will be his first full season out of you know that toxic environment that he had there uh, in New York. So yeah. maybe he can get his head on straight and play some good football. Because I thought in the early part of his rookie season he was playing well, and then things just kind of yeah. spiraled downward. What do you think of my pick there with the New Orleans Saints here? Yeah, I like it. I think that was the that was the other team that I was kind of debating between. So I'm interested to know what you think. Would, do you give up two first-round picks for a guy like Marcus Davenport? Two first. So they drafted him with a first-rounder, obviously, is what I mean by that. And they traded a first-rounder and, I believe, a third-rounder. Is he that type of player? I mean, that's, that's really not yeah. far off from the haul that, like, the Bears got for – I mean, it's another – I mean, for the Bears got – the Bears gave that up for Khalil Mack is what I'm trying to say, essentially. So is that yeah, the kind of guy you spend that's on? Definitely not, that's definitely not fair comparisons there between uh, Khalil Mack and Marcus Davenport. That's a lot to live up to. Uh, and initially, honestly, Sarah, because uh, I think they, well, they traded up, what, to 20 right there in the first round uh, in the 2018 draft. And initially when I saw it happening, I thought it was a move for Lamar Jackson, like all the moves after about pick 18 that happened in that draft. Uh, it seemed like everyone was trading up in the back half of the first round uh, to get that extra fifth year on Lamar Jackson, which ended up happening there uh, with the 31st overall selection, I believe it was. Um, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, no, I, I don't think the price tag of two firsts uh, and a third is extremely high for Marcus Davenport. But I think they expected him to be an immediate impact type of football player. And he was borderline on the edge of doing that last year, Sarah. But, again, he did mm-hmm. get hurt 
um, and missed, you know, a handful of games, five or six last season. So, you know, he's got a full off season this year. Not that he needed any help or getting any bigger or anything like that. Um, but, you know, maybe just in terms of catching up at the speed of play, uh, we'll see what he can do this season. Uh, but best young trio, Sarah, who you got? This is another good one. Uh, the The New Orleans Saints are tough to top because two years ago in the 20, uh, well, it was actually almost three years ago now, but the 2017 NFL draft was not, it was not kinder to any team in the NFL than the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you look at their first round picks from that year, obviously uh, Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback out of Ohio State, who's become really one of the better corners in the league. And then Ryan Ramchek, who's already established himself as one of the best tackles in the league, right or left. He's one of the top, I would say, 20-ish, something like that, maybe better. Sure. And uh, and I think that you you look at the depth in this draft class, man, they, they did such a good job getting Alvin Kamara in round three. Um, I don't want to skip past Marcus Williams and the free safety they got in the second round as well. He's just another... Very, very solid starting player. Going to start for a lot of years in the NFL. And I think he gets kind of underrated because of the Saints. The Saints are known so much for their offense, but I'm glad you highlighted their defense because he's one of the best players on that defense in the back end. Even that play, the Minneapolis Miracle Man, he's going to be known for that for a long time, but that really uh, that really was an asterisk on what was otherwise very, very good rookie season for him. So I think if I'm picking this, that 27, I'm highlighting the 2017 class that they had, but man, you could pick any one of the three, three of those four guys, I would say Ramchek, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, and, and obviously Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara is the, the blue chip of that whole thing. And, and I hate to pick, I'm not picking this as like, oh, these are three guys I would start a franchise with. Cause obviously you know, you get a guy like Kamara in round three, you never know what draft class is going to produce a player who's like Kamara in round three. I mean, they got him the same year the Carolina Panthers used a top 10 pick on Christian McCaffrey. And so I think that there's an interesting debate to be had there. Do you wait? Do you just wait to get running backs in general? Because it's so hard for them to stay healthy in this league. But Kamara, he's a great one. And then I love Ramchek, so I'd pick him number two. And then Mar- uh, Marshawn Lattimore plays the premier position at cornerback. So I think I'd take him number three, and I think that'd be my trio. And I'd be really confident in saying that's the best young trio in this division. Solid three. I mean, you could take a handful of guys, like you said, from New Orleans. Uh, my three would probably be Sheldon Rankins, Kamara, and Ramchek. I, th- I think very highly of those three football players, even though, I, I mean, it's hard to que- it's hard not to question whether or not Alvin Kamara could play into his, you know, early 30s. Um, with the, his style of play and just, you know, I mean, even uh, even Sean Payton's come out and said it this year. I think he even went as far as to say, I don't think he used the term soft, but I think it was like, you know, not something, it wouldn't be smart to give him 200, 250 touches. It's just not something that he's cut out to do. Um, but my three guys I would pick for my best young trio um, is, is some three guys from the Atlanta Falcons. Calvin Ridley, uh, Deion Jones, and Keanu Neal. We hit on all three of these guys already I think Calvin Ridley is on pace to uh you know be one of those guys that is in in the conversation for best slot receiver in the NFL I think right now that conversation begins and ends with Stephon Diggs I mean you could throw some more names out there if you'd like uh Sarah but just Mm -hmm. in terms of slot receivers making the most impact um I would go Stephon Diggs one and then maybe I guess Jarvis Landry plays majority out of the slot at two there um some guys that maybe don't get as much shine there, uh, but Calvin Ridley s- certainly makes an impact uh, on the football field on Sundays. And then Deion Jones and Keanu Neal, we know what they can do uh, in terms of playing defense. Uh, all three uh, gentlemen, 24 years of age. So really young core of, of, of talented football players there in Atlanta. Um, otherwise, mm-hmm. a rather old – I mean, I, I wouldn't say old division, but maybe – the, the younger guys don't have as much uh, superstar uh, superstardom here in this division. I know uh, it's – I mean, especially in Carolina. The, their young guys, apart from right. Christian McCaffrey, are still kind of yet to be proven. Uh, and then we really don't know uh, – who's, who's the best young player in Tampa, Sarah? I mean, seriously. 
Gosh, I mean, I was just looking at their roster because I wanted to give them a little bit of a shout out on this episode at least, you know, and I think that you could make a pretty strong case for Mike Evans, who, by the way, crazy, crazy fact about Mike Evans, a first round pick in the 2014 NFL draft, feels like he's been in the league already for, I mean, a long time just based on based on the production that he's had. He's 25 years old today. At the time of this recording, and he won't be 26 until later on this month, the month of August. So he he technically still qualifies for this this list, the best young trio. He's only 25, and he's already under contract for a second stint with the Buccaneers, and so he would be their centerpiece. And then obviously you look at their number one draft pick this year, Devin White, who's expected to be a high-impact, you know, borderline Roquan Smith type of instant impact player in Todd Bowles' defense. And then you look at uh, O.J. Howard, who could be, who could, he could be, you know, the best young tight end in the league. So, I mean, that's that's a really strong trio right there. If Bruce Arians can do any magic with Jameis Winston, uh, I think that that the Buccaneers have a really solid little core right there with those guys, and then you know we'll see what Vita Vea can end up being for them. He's he's still a young player, uh, and they've got some guys in the secondary who you know you throw enough at the wall, something's got to stick. So I like that trio for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Mike Evans. I mean, 25 years old, and he's been in the league since 2014. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, that means what did he come into the league like? Eighteen and a half, nineteen years old. I don't even know that it's possible. Seriously, it doesn't it? Seriously, doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyways, uh, let's get into our best roster category, Sarah. Um, I'm gonna go with Atlanta here, but I think it's by a very slim margin. Um, and and most of this reasoning behind me picking the Atlanta roster will go into our best quarterback conversation. Spoiler alert! There, even though I'm pretty sure I just mm-hmm. gave it all. Away, But, again, man, this could all be wrecked and ravaged by injury just like last season. Um, that's the only concern here uh, with Atlanta's rosters. Not a lot of depth there, but they are star-studded uh, and front-end loaded there. I will say uh, it's obviously hard not to love uh, what New Orleans has going down there. Uh, and I think that we hit on it a little bit earlier. That Latavius Murray sign, signing has been a little bit slept on. Not many people are talking about it. But what a huge insurance plan. Uh, for Kamara there. Uh, it's something Atlanta failed to do with their running back situation. I mean, they let Tevin Coleman walk, um, and, and Edo Smith's fine and dandy and all that, but uh, they didn't really find a uh, you know a secondary weapon out of that backfield uh, for if and when Devontae Freeman does go down. But all that being said, I do love uh, everything. Grady Jarrett, we haven't brought that guy's name up on this mm. podcast yet. Uh, an absolute beast there at the defensive tackle position. An Aaron Donald light, if you will. I mean, if you were to take Mm -hmm. 80% Mm -hmm. of Aaron Donald, you'd still have an all-pro football player. And to me, that's what Grady Jarrett is. Um, I'm expecting a big year three from Tack McKinley as well. Uh, Been a little bit uh, banged up through his first two seasons. And uh, Desmond Trufant, man, can can the guy put together a full season of solid cornerback play? We'll figure that out um, this year. So, Um, And Ricardo Allen's still in that back end there at free safety. So I like what they've done, uh, managing to keep the guys they need to keep, let the guys that are a little too expensive walk there in Atlanta. And they at least took a stab at solving their offensive line issues. Sarah, who's your best roster? Yeah, I like that pick. The Falcons have a really strong core of guys and offensively and defensively. And so I think that they're rightfully excited for this season. I'm picking... The New Orleans Saints, you know, I mentioned them as my top offense in the division. You mentioned them as being your top defense in the division. And uh, I just think that all around this team is pretty well stacked. You know, you look at them from top to bottom again. Offensively, we don't really need to hit on that much anymore. We already talked about it. The weakness there is, of course, you know, who's going to help out Michael Thomas at wide receiver. But then, like you mentioned, defensively, if they get a breakthrough season from Marcus Davenport, who's only in his second year, that defensive front is really, really strong inside and out. So they've got a really good chance this year to prove that if they if they can stay relatively healthy at some key positions here, specifically if, if Breeze stays healthy and if Davenport and Cameron Jordan stay healthy, I think this is a team that could really prove that it's just, I mean, it's a... 
they can beat you so many different ways because they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to stop the run. They're going to be able to rush the passer. I'm excited to see how how Davenport's improvement really just rounds out the overall play of this team. But I think from top to bottom, this roster, just so solid. All right, sir, you ready to argue? I'm ready. Let's get into it. Best quarterback in the division, sir. I Mm. say it is Matt Ryan. It is finally time to pass the torch from Drew Brees to Matty Ice. What say you, Sarah Bettinger? We'll let you start. We'll give you the floor. Mm. Why am I wrong to say that Matt Ryan uh, has surmounted Drew Brees as the number one quarterback in the NFC South? Well, because I think that the dark horse here is is Cam Newton. I think that he gets a he's when he's healthy. I don't think there's a more dominant individual player potentially in the entire league. And I, I want to look back at what he did in 2015 when he was fully healthy. And I know that's a long ways to go back to give an example. And I know that you're saying Matt Ryan had his best season as a pro, which is, I mean, that's an amazing thing to think about. Like you said, already has an MVP to his name. Um, but I think to me, if you're if, if all of these players are fully healthy this year, and we're going into this year, and I know Cam's coming back off that shoulder, so it's going to be it's it's a stretch to even to even assume that. But I think that if all of these players are fully healthy, Cam Newton is just too dynamic. He's he's so good. He can he can put up 50, 60 total touchdowns in a season. He's just that crazy. And I just don't know that I've seen a guy uh, that year in twenty fifteen. I don't. I can't believe there was any team that could slow him down. It was unbelievable what he was able to accomplish. And so I think that the biggest argument for Matt Ryan not being the best QB in the division is, of course, you know, you've got Breeze, but then you've got Cam Newton, who when like when he's on, man, I mean, he his accuracy is not always the best. But I mean, man, this guy can do everything. He's a creative player on Madden with, you know, 99 throw power and 99 speed, basically, you know, at his size anyway. So, I mean, he's just a freak of nature. Never seen anything like him when when fully healthy, size-wise, and just the physical abilities and the ability to take over and dominate games. I mean, he is, he's a rock star. And uh, I just, I, I think for me, and he's my pick, by the way, obviously. So I think he's the number one case against Matt Ryan. I think he's it, man. If you're looking to to figure out why Matt Ryan's not, I think that Cam Newton is the number one answer. I mean, Cam Newton had a career year in terms of uh, completion percentage and quarterback rating last year. Uh, in the first year under, uh, what was his name, former head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Help me out here, Sarah. Norv. His, Norv Turner. Yeah, Norv Turner. He hired his entire family basically to come help out their <laughs> coach offense there in Carolina. And I'm, I'll be the first to admit I made fun of the – not necessarily fun of the hire, but fun of the idea of, you know, hiring Uncle no, uh, Uncle Norv's uh, nephew and, uh, and Norv's son and, and Norv's cousin twice removed on his mom's side and, and doing all this kind of stuff. But, uh, oh, again, yeah. the numbers prove – numbers speak for themselves last year. And one thing that a lot of people don't take into account – uh, when they talk about Cameron Newton, is what just the type of stress he puts on a defense and a defensive coordinator for all four quarters, man. I mean, when you go to play on Sundays, not oftentimes are you facing a, a football team in which their best third and short running option is their quarterback, their six foot six, mm-hmm. two hundred and forty pound quarterback, who on third and two you can just almost guarantee that he's going to get a first down. You have to you have to call your game plan and call your defensive game plan with that in mind, with knowing that on third and short, uh, not only is Christian McCaffrey a, a viable option, but they have the best third and short option uh, the, the NFL's ever seen in terms of short yardage rushing uh, in Cam Newton. So that's one thing about uh, defenses. They haven't quite figured it out yet, how to account for that 11th guy, the ball carrier, being the quarterback. So often uh, we see the ball handed off from the quarterback, and he just becomes a dead player. The rest of the team's playing 10 on 11, um, but that's not the case Mm -hmm. there in Carolina, and that's why, uh, you know, it's a reasonable uh, assumption and a reasonable case for you to make uh, there for Cam Newton. But while we're in 
the mood of uh, bashing Drew Brees for other NFC quarterbacks uh, here for the best quarterbacks. Um, you know, I went and put a, a statistical comparison over at Football Reference between Drew Brees and Matt Ryan over the last three seasons, and I think uh, it'll shock some people to hear some of these uh, statistics. Matt Ryan's thrown for uh, one more touchdown, 93-92. to 92. Uh, Two fewer interceptions. He's been sacked 40 more times there in Atlanta over the hmm. last three seasons. Uh, and all he's done all of this on uh, just over 90 fewer attempts, or excuse me, 90 fewer uh, completions there in Atlanta. So more yards, more touchdowns, uh, damn near similar quarterback rate. Uh, and, and more yards per game. So Matt Ryan putting up all the stats and more of that, uh, you know, of Drew Brees. And uh, Drew Brees doing it with just a little bit more help up front and certainly uh, more help there. And I know, I know we're including the 2016 season where Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there uh, in Atlanta. But there's something to be said about Sean Payton being, uh, I would call him, uh, you know, what, the one or two in terms of offensive uh, innovators in the last, what, two decades here in the mm-hmm. NFL, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to just yeah. rattle off, Belichick's a defensive guy, so you can't even count him. Uh, I know that Patriots right. system's been elite for so long, um, but in terms of an offensive coordinator, you'd have to go to the most recent guys like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. So um, that's mm-hmm. what it is, man. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. You're making good points here, man, and Man, I just think about what Bill Belichick, what would he be without Josh McDaniels? You just wonder. You wonder. Well, he 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 did okay that year. Josh McDaniels was going 8 and 8 and 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 praying on Tebow in the second half, wasn't he? I mean, they did That's they did true, okay yeah. in New England. I'm That's sure, right. Um without him. Let's get into these NFC South predictions. Sarah, I'll go first cuz typically we let you go first. Um and let's see. I guarantee we're similar. Uh, if not dead on like we were last week. I got the Falcons mm-hmm. winning the division at 12-4 and four, four this year. I said they're going to have a big bounce back, and I'm giving it to you in my, uh, you know, wins predictions there. The Saints come in second at 11-5. and five. The Panthers have a, 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 you know, typical Carolina Panthers football season at 9-7, and seven, and the Bucks bring up the rear at uh, anywhere from 6-10 and 10 to 5-11. and 11. Sarah, your thoughts on the division, how you see it shaking out, my man? Yeah, I see it very similarly. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to see the Saints in first place with 12 wins. I think Falcons second place with 11 wins. Both of those teams making the playoffs. And then I could see the Carolina Panthers missing the playoffs with nine wins. Uh, and that's because that's the NFC is just so good from from top to bottom. I mean, you got two teams out, out east who could who could realistically win 11, 12 games as well. So uh, I think that the Panthers will be a contender throughout the year, but I just think that they're going to, they're missing a couple too many pieces to, to be able to compete with Atlanta overall. And then uh, new Orleans as well. And then I have the Buccaneers ringing in at six wins as well. So definitely with you on that. And uh, I think that that's how it's going to shake out. We'll see. It's, it's always, uh, it's, it's always tough to repeat as a division champion in the NFC South. So very, very tough division, very fun to watch, very fun for fantasy football players. And obviously, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all dependent on Cam Newton, in my opinion. If he's fully healthy, then you watch out for the Panthers. Mm. Nothing gets me, nothing makes me happier than a, uh, a healthy Cam Newton running up and down the field uh, and, and dabbing on first downs. Is he still dabbing? Out there in Carolina, I don't know. He there. should probably it's stop. A little bit out of, yeah, it's out of style nowadays. But no, I mean, no one day anything Cam Newton does is cool. I'm not going to tell that guy he's not cool. He's one of the coolest guys on the planet. Um, <laughs> so that's that's how we see the NFC South. Sarah, you hate to see it. What do you got, buddy? Gosh, man, you hate to see it. There was something really funny floating around on Twitter today. It was a video of this actor throwing a pass in a TV show. I don't know if you saw it, but. Uh, guy named marcus mosher from i don't know where he's from but he's a writer he posted a video and said check out this star qb throwing motion why do actors struggle to throw a football like regular humans and the video is really funny if you if you watch it uh it's pretty funny to see this guy is supposed to be apparently i don't know what movie or show it is but he's apparently supposed to be 
uh, a star football player in the show or movie or whatever it is. And so he's he's throwing a ball, and he looks ridiculous throwing the ball. He doesn't look like a quarterback whatsoever. But well, the actor found this video or this uh, tweet that's gone kind of viral. It's got almost 10,000 likes and almost, you know, 2,000 retweets. So the actor has found the video and, and explains why do actors struggle to throw a football like regular humans. He says the actor is Robbie Amell, who I know from uh, – He's been on like The Flash and things like that on D, uh, I'm watching the CWDC right show. You're watching the video. Oh my <laughs> he says because God. there's a giant. <laughs> he says because there's a giant flag just off camera for lighting purposes. I'm not actually throwing passes to a crossing wide receiver. It's a movie, moron. <laughs> He's pretty defensive, you know. I mean, my yeah. goodness. So uh, you hate to see it, man. You hate to see actors getting called out for their crap. And sure enough, the actor didn't really care for it as well. So pretty hilarious, pretty funny stuff. So I, you know, you hate to see it, man. You hate to see the actor get called out like that. You know, probably probably been the most popular guy his entire life, and now he's now he's the butt of a joke, and he didn't like it. So you hate to see it. Best actor turned athlete in a movie. Are we going Adam Sandler? We've seen the guy swing mm. a golf club. We've seen him play quarterback. Uh, you know, what else have we seen Adam Sandler do? Uh, that's about it. Well, I know we've seen him play a little hockey there in Happy Gilmore as well, but he was more notorious for taking his skate off and actually trying to cut somebody with it. Um, but that's who right. would you nominate for best uh, actor turned athlete in a movie or actress? Who you got? Ah, that's a good. That's a tough question. Little bow wow and like Mike. I mean, come on. <laughs> a little bow wow, yeah. Uh, Calvin Cambridge. I don't know, man. That's yeah. a that's a tough one. I really like. Uh, I really like the guy. His name is. Uh, oh gosh, what is his name? He plays um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez and and Luis Mendoza oh, in the early early nineties. Um, I can't think of his name. Yeah, Benny I'm going Sandlot. Benny the Jet, Luis Mendoza. It's uh he's he's a great athlete, man. He's obviously he he played an athlete in multiple movies, and that's kind of just what he did. So obviously, you know, he's got to be pretty solid. So I, I'm taking him, man. As a child, you know, two, he's got some serious speed. He can steal home. He two can honorable. You know, he, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he can steal home and he can fly across the ice. So you know, I would go two honorable mentions. Uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, he obviously played in Bull Durham. And for the love of the game, which is a, a, a very good baseball movie if you haven't seen it. And then uh, the other one is uh, Charlie Sheen, man. Charlie Sheen played the wild mm. thing uh, in, um, in Major League. And reports are, if you, if you read up some, uh, some history on Major League the movie, reports are Charlie Sheen was clocked at 87, 88 miles an hour during the really? film of that movie. Yeah, he was actually throwing fuzz. Uh, in that, in those films, there. Uh, so Charlie Sheen, <laughs> oh, sneaky funny. good athlete, was actually recruited to be a college baseball player. So there you go, little fun fact of the day. But Sarah, my, you hate to see it. Um, you know, reports are Melvin Gordon asked for a trade today, or you know, this past weekend. Um, and reports are also coming out of Chargers camp that they're, you know, they're probably not going to trade him. They probably can't find uh, any reasonable suitors and. You really hate to see this for fantasy purposes. Uh, it's looking like Melvin Gordon might, uh, you know, hold out for a solid eight games uh, this football season wow. and then play the back half of the season. So you hate to see it for those guys who are, uh, you know, in those fantasy keeper leagues. Uh, you wasted a keeper spot on Melvin Gordon this past offseason. It looks like you're going to be, uh, you know, only in there for about five weeks because, you know, though – the regular season for the NFL is 16 weeks long. We all know uh, that playoff round in in in, uh, in fantasy football starts week 14. Uh, so you're only really going to get about five weeks of Melvin Gordon's services uh, if all goes to plan, uh, at least the rumors we are. And maybe, and maybe it's a bluff. Maybe he's calling. He's going to hold out for eight weeks uh, in hopes of maybe enticing the Los Angeles Chargers uh, to give him some more money. But – the Chargers are a cash-stricken business, and I know a lot of people will listen to that and say, how is an NFL football team tight on cash flow? Uh, well, if you've ever seen 
the Los Angeles Chargers Stadium. Uh, it's about a 20,000-seat soccer stadium, and they even fail to fill that sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I, one of my favorite moments from last football season was the Tennessee Titans going out there and playing uh, in L.A., and it seemed like the Titans had more fans at the L.A. Chargers Stadium than even the Chargers, uh, and that's mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans. So you hate to see it, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, in a, you know, a cash-stricken situation and not being able to pay one of their best players. You hate to see it, sir. Send the folks Yeah, out. yeah. Yeah, just to just to add on to the little shade there for the Chargers, we we Denver Broncos fans like to say, you know, that we get nine home games every year. One of those home games is, of course, the game against the Chargers on the road because that place is a sea of orange when the Broncos go there. So it's kind of like having an extra home game. So you love it. You love to see that. Absolutely. But thank you all for listening. Thank you. Even if you're a Chargers fan, uh, a Chargers fan listening to an NFC South podcast to the bitter end. I love it. Uh, I appreciate you being here. And you know, you know what? Your team's better than mine right now. So don't take it too harshly. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your Enjoy the team being good for a few years here, but thanks for all of you listening. Uh, If you would, if you appreciate the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, uh, if you think that we can just continue to crank out content and you believe in us, we'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. If you you, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, you get, I I love this, man, you get the handy notification on the phone and then all you got to do is just swipe it open and and hit it open. I love that. That's handy. I do that for all my favorite podcasts. So feel free to do that for the NFL Mox podcast and throw us on when you're on your commute, when you're in some downtime at work or whatever you're doing, uh, taking the dog for a walk or whenever it is you listen to podcasts. We just appreciate you being here with us. So thanks for taking the time and thanks for listening. Solid job, Sarah. We appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, We'll see you, Sarah. I'll see you Thursday night. Uh, Listeners, we'll see you Friday morning. Thanks for listening, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.